it is. Jared of the GM on ESPN 1025. The game Titans and Panthers on Sunday. And I'll say this. It does not feel like a sexy matchup, Titans and Panthers. I think it's got the makings of a pretty good ball game. I mean, the Panthers seem to be like a pretty good team that, you know, maybe has two of the best players in the NFL and Luke Keekley and Christian McCaffrey. And the Titans look to be like a team with Tannehill at quarterback who they're starting to kind of find their way. Well, I mean, there's no doubt that that Carolina is a talented team. I mean, they've got some players, like you said, that are as good as any any players in the league uh, between McCaffrey and 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 Keekley and and even you know they've got that Burns at young defensive end and they've got defensive linemen between Poe and uh, and the guy they got from Tampa. I mean, those are big old thick nasty DTs in there. Um, and and they've they've got talent. Talent's you know not the issue. Uh, the young quarterback kind of hurt him. You know, Cam is out, and and really he's playing pretty good, but for a, for a young quarterback, but he just hasn't played a lot. And you know, they they knew exactly what Cam was and where Cam was going to be and all those things, and now they're kind of learning the other way on the run. Well, I want to get to him in a second. By the way, it does not look good for Cam. Did you see the story that came out today? that Cam's foot has not healed at all. And so Cam is going to see a foot specialist this weekend, and then they're going to figure out why Cam's foot is not healing. But that's a big story in and of itself that has really nothing to do with this game, just that Cam is really hurt and is not getting any better. And we talked about this with Dustin Bufflin the other day. Once a player starts to feel like no matter how much time he takes off or how much rehabbing he does, he's not going to get any better, usually elite-level players do not want to come back and play anymore after that. Well, and it's and I I have no idea what he hurt. Uh, I don't know, but you know if it's one of those fifth metatarsal things, we've been through that. And if it's a Liz Franks, then you know there's uh, I, I think there's probably surgery or something they could do, but I, I'm, there's no guarantee there. I mean, the feet, you know, are it's they take so much pounding in this game, any game. But, I mean, in this, there's so much pounding and so much twisting and turning and odd positions. And and uh, a lot of these guys just don't have the bone structure can handle all that. So two things. One, scares the death, scares the life out of me. Life scares me to death. Whatever. Either one. Scares the life out of me. The defensive line of the Carolina Panthers versus the offensive line of the Tennessee Titans. Ben Jones is out, which means Jameel Douglas is going to play center, which makes me guess that Pam Thiel is probably going to have to play guard. And Ben Jones may be the most stable player on the offensive line, has not missed a start since the Titans signed him from the Texans. Here's their defensive line. Mario Addison, six and a half sacks. Brian Burns, four and a half sacks. Bruce Irvin, a linebacker, three and a half sacks. Uh, Vernon Butler, whoever the hell that is, three sacks. Gerald McCoy. Former All-Pro, two and a half sacks. That doesn't count the big boy, Dontari Poe, who had all those good years as a DT for the Chiefs. I am scared to death for not only a couple of... Number one, I don't even know if Jameel Douglas is any good at center. We know he's not all that good at guard, but is he any good at center? Is he going to be able to make the checks? Is he going to be able to make the calls? All the things that they usually make a big deal and say, hey, Ben, Ben Jones does this real well. Ben is great at that. Ben is... Gets you in the right play, Ben. Gets you in the right protection. Is Douglas going to be able to do any of that? I don't know. 
And then, I mean, I was worried about that line before all of this. Now I'm really worried about the line. The other thing is if they don't play Pamphiel, that means that Kelly might have to start at guard, and we know they don't want Kelly starting at guard. No. I mean, and and this is a concern that, you know, this offensive line is such a such a mess right now, you know, and, and, and I don't know that there's an easy answer to it. Uh, but playing all these new guys against this this team is is not the answer you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. Um, so, I mean, they're going to have their work cut out for them. Yet, there's you know, they're just going to have to play, man. I mean, they've got to bow up, man up. It's that simple. The second thing about this game is, and you started to touch on Kyle Allen, the quarterback. I don't really know anything about Kyle Allen. I mean, I remember he was at A&M and then he transferred to Houston. I mean, I remember all of that. Last year, he made one start and was 1-0. and This year, he's made five starts and he's 4-1. and So he's 5-1 and as a starter, which is a pretty good start to your NFL career. He threw three interceptions last week. Those are the first three interceptions he's thrown in his NFL career. He's got nine touchdowns to three NFL passes, uh, to three NFL completions of interceptions. interceptions. Uh, he's got Kyle Allen. He's thrown for over a thousand yards this year, but he doesn't jump off the charts. Two sixty one, two thirty two, one eighty one, two twenty seven, one fifty eight. Is Kyle Allen good? Like what is what is he? I I don't know. Like I know McCaffrey's a stud. Well, I mean, for a first year guy, and you again, this Four is and one. Uh, uh, yeah, five and one. I mean, that's a pretty good record. You'd certainly take that. I mean, how, how happy would we be in a few weeks if if Tannehill is six and one? Be happy, we'll be thrilled. But you're always nervous so, about young quarterbacks and Dean Pease. He's never oh, seen Dean yeah. Pease, and so what does Dean dial up for him? I mean, everybody was hyping Baker and how good Baker was off of one year, and Dean totally fooled Baker. And now Baker's had a tough season, but I mean, I think Dean really shoved it to Baker, and you hope that Dean can do that with the young quarterback. Against for Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I have no doubt that Dean will give him some things he hasn't seen, or or he's probably seen or may have seen, but it's not going to start off looking like what he ends up seeing, and that always messes with young guys. So you know, if they're smart, and and North Turner is a solid, solid coordinator. Now he is a smart guy, and so I would imagine he would take all of that. Or, or at least part of that away from the young quarterback mm-hmm. and not make him try to catch up on all that because it's going to be too hard. Uh, and the simple answer is um, fine 22. You know, huddle call is fine 22, ready, break. And wherever he goes, that's who's getting the ball. <laughs> and so I would imagine he would get a tremendous workload. Can they really throw to McCaffrey on every play? Uh, if they want to, they can. It, it won't be very smart, but... <laughs> well, I mean, they're going fine 22. Let's go to your phone. 615-737-1025 on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. By the way, I didn't get an answer for you either if you know if Kyle Allen's any good or not. You were just kind of like a... Are you 6-1? and one? Yeah, he's good. 5-1. Obviously, 5-1, and one, whatever Including he is. Including one last year, 4-1 this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what? Again, would we be excited if we had a quarterback 5-1? Yes, we would. Keith is up next on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. What's up, Keith? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Lord, I, I was curious. It seems like the receivers are a whole lot better with Tannehill as quarterback. Uh, it seems like the thing we're lacking is the receiver to take the top off. 
I just was wondering if you thought maybe if Tannehill was quarterback whenever Taewon Taylor was receiver, if he had a – and I'll hang up with it. Thanks for the call, Keith. You know, I'm sure – I'm sure Ta- – well, if, if Taylor would have done the right things and caught the ball when he put it to him, I think I think he would have been – he would have gotten more passes with Tannehill. Um, I I think I think what we're seeing now with the quarterback and Tannehill is they they are confident. You know, I think Tannehill has tremendous confidence in some of these guys and is not hesitant to get the ball on them and try to get it to them in a place where they can run with it and do those things. And the same for the receivers. I think the receivers are receiving are, are realizing that if. I get to where I'm supposed to go and do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to get the ball. And it's, you know, like you're training people. It's it's kind of like, hey, you do this, you do that, you get the reward. Here comes the ball. If you don't, you're not going to get it. And uh, and I think Tannehill puts a little bit more pressure on him than maybe Marcus would. Pressure meaning that, hey, if you mess it up, you're going to hear from me now. I'm going to be standing there talking to you. Aren't the Titans receivers kind of the biggest conundrum? over the last handful of years. It's like, are they bad, or is the quarterback bad, or is the offense bad, or is the line bad so they never have any time to get open? And it felt like with a lot of these guys, you saw flashes of them being really good, including guys like Taewon Taylor and Tajay Sharp, but you just never had any consistency from them. And I'm hopeful that Tannehill will get at least a little consistency out of some of these guys. I mean, I was a little disappointed in Davis after a big first week with Tannehill, he had a tough, you know, kind of go of it. I would, I would think again that that all the those guys, the quarterback and the receivers as a group, have to feel pretty confident. You know, now it doesn't mean that the thing that has to be a, a giant plus for them and that they understand is, hey, if I allow them to take me away. To eliminate me, he's going to throw the ball someplace else now, mm-hmm. and he's going to complete it. And so, you know, I think that puts a little bit more pressure on them to find a way to get open. Um, simply because if they know if they don't, they're not going to get the ball, and and he's not going to be hesitant to to spread it around if he's got to throw it inside, you know, to a tight end or a slot or whatever the case may be, he'll do it. Corey Curtis, News 2, going to join us next. His thoughts on this Panther game on if Tannehill may be the secret to get the Titans back into the playoffs. Picture, we'll discuss that. Coming up next, Jared and the GM live from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Jared and the GM, ESPN 1025, the game. Floyd, Titans, Panthers, this Sunday... Titans at four and four, and it was crazy. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. The fact that the Chiefs are five and three. So Kansas City, this vaunted headed straight for the AFC Championship game, Kansas City Chief team, is one game better than the Titans. If the Titans could kick, they may be better than the Kansas City Chiefs. And Ryan Tannehill's won two in a row. Corey Curtis News Two joins us on the show. Corey, are you still convinced the Titans are not going to make the playoffs with Tannehill as their quarterback? But And what would a win against Carolina mean for that? Well, listen, it's got nothing to do with Tannehill being their quarterback. I'm just looking at the position that they're in and the way that they have played. They have been up, they have been down. They have been up, they have been down. Now, you know, last week they survived a day where they didn't play their best. 
and so they were fortunate for that. Um, you know, this, you know, the last two weeks were must win games to stay alive. And I view this as another must win game to stay alive. Because as I've said, I think they have to go 10 and six and they've got the saints, they've got the chiefs and they've got to go to Indianapolis. Um, you know, that's three really tough games. And then they've got two with the Texans. So they're going to have to go three and two in those five games on top of winning this game. Um, and beating the Jaguars at home. So, you know, I, I view this as a must-win game, and last I checked, they were a four-point underdog. This week? Yeah. Oh, really? I uh, think they're only going to be favored in one more game this year. What game is that? Jacksonville at home? Yep. That'll be the only game I think they'll be a favorite in the rest of the way. Not even Oakland on the road? They're a half game better than Oakland right now. Well, and I'll say this. They never play well on the West Coast, no matter who they play. And now, either way, it's tough to go all the way out west or west teams to come all the way out east. That's always a battle for, for everybody. And I'm not saying this to put down the Titans. I'm saying this when you guys you know, are critical of my opinion, this is what I back it up with. These are the difficulties ahead. Not to say that they can't do it, just saying it's difficult. With, with uh, the injuries on the offensive line, how do you see that shaking out? Well, it's, it's concerning. I mean, you know, Ben Jones is not playing, which means we're going to see a big sample of Jamil Douglas at center for the first time. We saw him do it some in the preseason, but as we all know, there's a big difference between doing it in the preseason and the regular season. Roger Saffold is out of concussion protocol, um, so you know he'll be back. You know, if he can if he can stay on the field. Um, but you know, look, this is a a Panther team that is second in the league in sacks per pass attempt. Okay, so when teams go back to throw, they have the second most amount of sacks in those times. They got 30 for the season. You know, Coach Brabel says they're not doing with scheme. Guys are just winning. That doesn't bode well for this Titans team where we've seen guys on the offensive line just losing. So they've got to be better, and they're going to have to be better without their best on the field. Uh, who do you see at right guard? Well, I mean, have they said Nate Davis isn't going to go? Oh, I haven't. I haven't heard anything. I just thought you might. Dave, the only I mean, one that's I, out is Jones. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Nate Davis even on the injury report at this okay. point. So okay. my assumption is is that Nate Davis is ready to go. But I don't know if you guys remember Don Terry Poe, but he is on that <laughs> defensive line, and he is one of the largest human beings I've ever seen. <laughs> and last I called, Gerald Gerald McCoy is pretty much a perennial Pro Bowler. And he's still a pretty good football player. Yeah, and that's so I, not, would, I would. Well, I was going to say that, that's that, an advantage for them. Well, I was going to say that doesn't account for Mario Addison six and a half sacks and Brian Burns four and a half sacks and yeah. everything else Carolina has. Corey Curtis, news too, is our guest here on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. What do you think the biggest difference in the Titans with Tannehill at quarterback has been? <laughs> Can I say the teams they played? <laughs> That's some of it. I mean, they could be accurate, um, but Mariota was so bad against Denver, and Denver is wretched. Yeah, well, yeah, but Denver's defense is better than the two teams they just beat. Now that doesn't. Mariota was bad that day. You know, I think I think Tannehill is largely, you know, been more accurate and more decisive because I think you know Mariota, you know, as I've said, kind of broken and kind of indecisive with what he needed to do with the football, especially when things started to go south for him. So I think whether he's connected or not, um, I think Tannehill's been been more decisive and he's been more 
more accurate with the football because we've still seen ups and downs. In two games, we've seen ups and downs. Last week at halftime, Humphreys, Davis, Brown, one catch, one yard on six targets. Okay, that's that's the same problems we're talking about with this group all season long, not being there all game. But you know, Tannehill, you know, I, I think you know, red zone has been great, six for six, so that's good. Now, two of those drives he got at the ten yard line, but he was opportunistic. He converted. That was important, and he got the fourth quarter drive when he needed it. You know, last week, and and got the receivers involved at that point. So, you know, it, it, the sample size is is still small, but we've seen we've seen really good Tannehill. And we've seen okay Tannehill, and you know okay Tannehill was still good enough to get the win, and I think that's important. The uh, Delaney's going to be out again, uh, yep. which means Janu um, steps up as he has a little bit these last couple of games. What do you see as the difference in Janu? Uh, confidence. I mean, he looks like Floyd. I mean, he's unrecognizable in his in his demeanor. And the way you know, and when he catches the ball, the confidence that touchdown catch was not an easy one. That was not a great thrown ball by Tannehill. Right. He was moving hot on a slant, and it was behind him. And he swung around and got his hands on it, and was able to get six points. And then just the way he's catching the ball and taking it straight up the field and running through people, you know, that's not the guy we saw at the beginning of the season. And what's so unusual about it? is it's coming off of the knee surgery. Usually you see guys coming off surgery, and no matter how good they say they feel, they're unsure. How he much has of, seemed sure. How much of that in your mind is the quarterback, and how much it is just getting an opportunity? I, I just, no, I just think it's him. I mean, I, I think he's, he's getting it. Because like I said, whether the ball's been well thrown or not, he's making plays. And, you know, now he's been targeted. You talk about opportunity. He's had 10 targets the last two weeks. Um, and you know, it's a good thing because like I said, the first half last week, the wide receivers didn't do anything. Um, but I just, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is or who the offensive line is, or, or if Delaney is hurt or not hurt, he just looks like a guy that we have not seen in three years. And I, and I would love to know the answer to what has clicked for him. Um, but, but something has clicked for him where he clearly believes in what he's doing and his place on the football field. Corey Curtis, News 2, Fireball Hot Take Friday. Corey, your hot take this week is what? Is that no matter how many games people watch, whether they be football, basketball, or baseball, they always forget that those games are nine innings, four quarters, or three periods, and they wanted to declare games over before they're over, and then they look like a schmuck at the end of the night when their team loses 6-5 to five in overtime. Well, well done. I felt well like the game done. was over, Corey. <laughs> it felt over to I me. I felt like it was over, too. But I wasn't the one who put it on blast on social media. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got blown great. up yesterday. Oh, did I ever. Corey Curtis, News 2. I would see you now. i got to give News 2 a shout-out. But now I'm okay. mad at Corey, so, you know, that's kind of yeah. a tough spot to be in. Corey Curtis, News 2, as always. Corey, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Corey. All right. Enjoy the game this weekend, guys. Thanks. Yep. Corey Curtis from News 2 joining us, as always, here on the show. Again, my bad. I tweeted out when the Preds went up 2-0 yesterday that the game was over 10 minutes and 30 seconds into the game. You know what's funny is I, when the Braves played the Cardinals, can we all agree that that game was over after the first inning? When the Braves played the Cardinals. And the Cardinals scored 10 runs in the first? 
it's pretty close to a lock as you can get, I would think. But I don't. I can't. Uh, which game are we talking about? The playoff game that got the Braves knocked out of the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Who cares? Okay. Well, you can tweet that. <laughs> in. I mean, you know, what's that number in hockey? Is it like seven? Like if you're up seven nothing in the first period in the NHL, you will win. Like is is that like the magic number? I went with two last night, and at two I said the Predators were going to win. So obviously two is probably not the right call. Jinxed him. Once again. Don't blame me on that. I do want to give news to a shout-out. We just had Corey on the show. I want to give news to – I'm not sure if I'm giving news to a shout-out or if I'm giving uh, the teacher a shout-out. But news to uh, WKRN has their educator of the week. And I want to give a shout-out to my friend Kate Samuelkevich, who was the educator of the week. She uh, teaches Braille at J.E. Moss Elementary School. She's a great teacher. She's a great friend. She's a great uh, person. And I just want to give a shout-out. We have Corey Curtis News 2 on. I want to give a shout-out. Kate Samuelkevich on News 2 getting highlighted as the Educator of the Week. So I'm really happy for her. And uh, really, really, uh, it's, a, it's a good honor for her that she deserves for all of the students in Metro Nashville that she teaches uh, that are blind. So great job by News 2 in that regard. 615-737-1025 is the phone number, 615-737-1025. Who is excited for college football this weekend? By the way, Wofford plays Clemson. Clemson, according to the FBI, 99% chance to win. That's the kind of schedule we're looking at this week. We'll discuss that coming up next. Make your picks now for the three college football underdog teams you think will win this Saturday. Weekly winners won a pair of tickets to the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl at Nissan Stadium on Monday, December 30th. Hit up thegamenashville.com or the ESPN, the Game Nashville mobile app, and play today. Silly Underdog Picks is sponsored by Volunteer Hose and Gasket. Jared of the GM. It's Fireball Hot Take Friday, and it's ESPN 1025, the game. This was supposed to be the year for the Bulldogs. Uh, they have the, one of the best, if not the best, offensive line in the country. They have Jake Fromm, who will unlikely be around next year. And remember, uh, Kirby Smart lost Justin Fields to Ohio State, who's the starter there, and Jacob Eason, who's the starter at Washington. He doesn't have a backup situation. So this is the moment for Kirby Smart. And with Dan Mullen re-energizing Florida, it could be closing if they don't win this game. This is a big game. I, I would say this is maybe the defining game right now uh, post uh, the national championship game of Kirby Smart's career. That was Paul Feinbaum on the cocktail party Saturday SEC game of the week. The best game from the best conference, Georgia and Florida. Now, I think you and I are both really excited for Georgia, Florida. Georgia is probably worse than we thought they were going to be because they've lost a game. And Florida is probably better than we thought they were going to be because they've lost a game. But that's it. So this is probably the SEC East gets decided yeah, with this, the cocktail party tomorrow. Whoever ta- whoever wins this is certainly going to take over. Outside of that, have you seen the games this week that are on TV? I haven't really looked at them yet. Okay, so uh-huh. Fox the Fox Big News uh, the Fox Big Noon Saturday game, which is kind of their number one game of the week. Nebraska at Purdue. Your eleven o'clock slate: Michigan at Maryland. NC State at Wake Forest. Uh, I'm not going to count all those little conference games I don't care about. Boston College, Syracuse. Texas San Antonio, A&M. Virginia Tech, Notre Dame at 130. I mean, maybe that'll be a that'd little be interesting. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I Notre Dame's struggling, but yeah, it'll be okay. Georgia, Florida at 230. I think everyone's going to be tuned into Georgia, Florida. 
Miami versus Florida State. Now, that should be year in and year out an interesting game, but it's not this year. Miami's 4-4. Four and four. Well, Florida State is terrible. Yeah, but so, I mean, we're, we're used to that, that game being, you know, two undefeated teams. Some, that are going, some. Yeah, a big game. Uh, Utah plays at Washington. Who cares about that? I mean, this schedule is just wretched. The second best game of the week and where college game day is going and the ABC primetime game on Saturday night is SMU versus Memphis. SMU is 15th, Memphis is 24th. I got to wonder if these college uh, conferences need to, instead of having traditions of when games are played, do they need to, because I think the SEC schedule comes out like a year in advance. So the 2020 schedule has already come out. Shouldn't they wait like the NFL and announce the college season in April as opposed to announcing the college season in September the year prior? Because there are too many weekends where there's games where you got like seven games going on at one time and you don't have enough TVs to watch everything you want to see. And then you got a weekend like this Saturday where there's one good game, Florida, Georgia, and like another game that you'll have your TV on for in maybe SMU versus uh, Memphis. And like if you're watching your team, like UT plays UAB at night, you'll watch that game. But don't you think the college conferences should maybe redo how they do their scheduling so that they can have more good games uh, across the course of the season and not have weeks like this where there's one good game? Well, as you well know, in college, I mean, these schedules are made 20 years in advance. The non-college you know, games. Yeah, the people that you're going to, you know, play. And and if you're looking, if you're like Alabama and you're looking for, you know, you want to play some power five teams, then and it happens to be Notre Dame or whatever, I mean, that, you know, that game is scheduled for 2035 and 2036 home and home you know kind of thing um so it's it's way way out there the um i think the hard part for these colleges and it happens all the time it happens you know every year is that some of these games when they scheduled them were good games you know if you're tv and you're looking at them and you're saying okay now i i don't know who else is i don't know what the rest of the schedule is well, like but, florida miami for example oh yeah florida State, two miami, years sure. ago when that comes out you would say that, was big. that could be a good and, tv and, game and year in year out that's a that's a giant game you know so and i think there's a series of games like that that you know they schedule on a yearly basis that everybody kind of gets excited about and if the two teams you know are bad then you know the game's not meaningful. So that's my whole point, though, is I feel like the college, the the colleges should wait and do the schedule. Forget about the traditional scheduling, which is like Tennessee, Alabama, third Saturday in October. Why? You know, if the SEC, if Tennessee and Alabama are supposed to be good teams going into the season, and the SEC's already got a good game on that Saturday, why not move it to another Saturday so that that can be the marquee game, so that each week. We have a good game. I mean, every single year it feels like Tennessee and Missouri end up on CBS because the other games that week are all Alabama versus the Citadel, Auburn versus Charleston Southern, Georgia versus West Lafayette State Tech. I mean, although like that, I mean the uh, the Miami Florida State game. I mean, it didn't matter when you play that game. I mean, those two teams are not what they're. We expect them what they traditionally are. You know, these aren't very good. 
So you could play it the the fifth weekend or the tenth weekend, and it's still two teams that are pretty average. I'm just thinking, like, if you're the college administrators, wouldn't it be smart to hold back on putting out your schedule in September of the previous year before the next season starts, just to beef up the interest and in, in making sure that you have good games, or the at least the idea that you should have good games on every weekend. Well, yeah, but I mean, again, that's that's TV. You know, TV decides which of those games they're going to put on. Yeah, but TV doesn't decide when they play. Right. But they, they decide, it's like Miami, Florida State. It doesn't matter when they played. They were going to be on. You know, it's like Georgia, Florida. It doesn't matter when you have that game. They're going to be on. And and I think that's true pretty much across the board with, with the upper echelon teams. Now, SMU, Memphis... You know, I don't know when that would they decided they were going to televise that one, but you know, maybe in week five or maybe something. Maybe when they figured out we don't have any good games on TV yeah, to show. That's what the are best we going to do out there? The one thing I, I'll give the SEC a break on this is that the cocktail party is generally speaking like the SEC blows out the whole week for the cocktail party, and I think they do this on purpose as well to give LSU and Alabama this week off so that next week LSU versus Alabama, everybody is rocking and and rolling to go in that football game. So I think that's why the SEC does that. This is the only game, Florida-Georgia, that before the season starts is automatically in the CBS slot. So every other game, like the Iron Bowl, for example, CBS has to pick that game when they get down to it, and they almost always pick the Iron Bowl but they have to pick that game when they get their first choice. This game, they don't get a choice on. It is Florida-Georgia every single year, and I think the SEC just kind of blows away the rest of the week. I mean, the other conference matchups this week that are conference games, like Tennessee, A&M, they're not playing conference games. Ole Miss plays at Auburn at 6 o'clock. Ugh. Sorry about a boring game there. And Vanderbilt plays at South Carolina um uh let's see Vanderbilt plays at South Carolina at 6:30 so those are the other two conference games so the SEC is pretty much saying hey this week in this conference is all about this Florida Georgia game which they get lucky when you have a week like this where Florida Georgia looks like it's going to be a pretty good game yeah, I mean, this, like I said, this very well could determine the, the SEC East Championship. They've still got more games to play, but, I mean, right now, these two teams are lead dogs. So, do you, how excited are you for this game? I kind of feel like Georgia has everything to lose if they lose this game. If they lose oh. this game, Florida wins the East this year? I mean, they both have everything. Whoever loses this one's going to be... I mean, this is deciding the in, East, it in, feels like. In in essence, eliminated, yeah. I mean, for right now. And then you've got the, the Trask kid at quarterback for Florida who has just been impressing everybody in all of his starts. And Georgia has Jake Fromm, who everyone thought was a first-round pick, and he's kind of just been out there. And so this is a, a really, really great game, but it's the only really, really great game of the weekend. The whole rest of the weekend is just crap. And I'm wondering if maybe the colleges, like if I'm the ACC – let me redo my schedules. Let me go ahead and put uh, a decent game on at night 
so that SMU and Memphis doesn't have to be the number one game. And that is the primetime night game tomorrow night. We deserve better as fans. Yeah, although that I bet that's a heck of a game. Memphis, both, SMU? Unde- both undefeated. I'm rooting for SMU. So yeah, me too. But I mean, it's it should be a good game. Are we wrong for rooting for SMU? Well, I'm probably rooting for the same reason you are. Chris Anderson. Yeah, CJ. I mean, so I don't know anything else so. about SMU. I don't really know a whole lot about Memphis, but CJ Sanders plays for SMU, so I'm rooting for Chris Sanders' son. Yeah. On Saturday, 615-737-1025. We'll get your thoughts in on this. We'll also get back to your thoughts on the Titans. And last night's Preds loss. Boy, did I get a lot of angry fans. Are fans allowed? Should the fans be mad about that? We'll get to that coming up next. Jared and the GM right here on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. It's ESPN 1025, the game. Jared and the GM, Fireball, a hot take Friday. MTSU football hits the road to take on Charlotte Saturday. Kickoff, MTSU Charlotte, 2.30 on 94.9. Game 2, Will Healy and Charlotte hosting MTSU. I do have a Preds thought I want to get to, which we'll get to in a second. But your phones, we're talking about the college football schedule. This week, two good games. Three if you count that MTSU game. Two good games. SMU Memphis, the night game, which again... Even though it's two ranked teams, it's still SMU Memphis. It's not going to draw like Alabama LSU will next week. (laughs) And then Florida Georgia, which is a legit, bona fide, top 10, stud versus stud, big daddy game. Which, honestly, that's how Florida Georgia should be every year. And that's how the league wants it to be. And that's why the, the SEC blows out the rest of the week and basically says Florida Georgia is the crown jewel and it's the automatic CBS game, which I'm cool with. And they also give Alabama LSU a bye so that next week when the the big game is Alabama LSU, those teams will be fresh. I'm just wishing that we had a little bit better college football on Saturday to get us ready for the pro game on Sunday. I was thinking this watching the pro game last night. Like, what a boring two teams to be playing on national TV. Now Now the Niners are having a good season, and the game was an interesting game. And I'm like, I bet you the ratings for this game are going to be through the roof. For this Thursday night football game of boring Arizona and unbelievably good overnight San Francisco. I think they're, and I don't know what they are, but I just, that's how popular the NFL is. College ain't there. The NFL no. could put on two uninteresting teams and people would still watch it, which the NFL, I, I, I'm amazed at some of these. Like, I bet you the London ratings will be huge for Texans and Jags. Probably. Yeah. Like, hey, division it, foes. It's yeah. football. These people want to watch football. So just, hey, watch NFL football. Let's go to your phones. Chris on college football is up next on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. What's up, Chris? Gentlemen, Tyson Truth is here. Saw the new episode came out. Yes, uh, yes, it did. I hope you get to watch and enjoy yourself. But on the college football front, see, now that I'm back living in Memphis now, I kind of thought you were throwing a little shot at my U of M Tigers. And this is probably me. Committing a little bit of boboism, if I am, you can call me out on it. I would suggest you watch that SMU Memphis game. You got two top 25 offenses, two top 10 scoring offenses. They're going to be putting up points. Defense, now Memphis is a top 50 scoring defense, but there are going to be some points there. It's going to be exciting. I'm going to be there. Game day, it's a buzz here in Memphis. So, I would probably say take a look at the game, take a look at Brady White, a good quarterback, 
Kenneth Gainwell, one of our running backs, is probably one of the better running backs that nobody is talking about, which I know it's here in Memphis, but I would say you might want to check it out. It might be kind of fun and worth your while if you take a look at that. Well, we are. We're rooting for C.J. Sanders. Thank you for the call, Chris. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, thank you for your call. We're rooting for Chris Sanders' son. We've said it. We, we are unapologetically rooting for SMU, and we are rooting for C.J. Sanders to have 300 yards receiving. Ah, that'd be great. And a kickoff return oh, a kick, for a touchdown. Yeah, a kickoff return for TD. I mean, we would there be any reason why we should not be just absolutely gung-ho over C.J. Sanders, hoping, hoping that his SMU Tigers, which are kicking butt, and I think their quarterback is uh, Shane Bichelle, yeah, who was the starter Texas, of Texas. Yeah. His dad, Steve Bouchelle, was the former third baseman for the Pirates back in the 90s. Like, you know, they got some players. I, I mean, I'm not going to watch a game because I'm going to be at a wedding in Los Angeles tomorrow. But I'll watch yeah, it. I was going to say, you'll watch yeah. it for both oh, of yeah. I mean, the truth is, is, is yeah, if I were in town, I would be watching this game. What else would I have to do? Yeah. The Predators play at 1 o'clock, so it's not like there's a Preds game that night. Although, if there was ever a night for there to be a Preds game on a Saturday night, this is a nice little college football Saturday night not to have to worry about it. But it's you know, is what it is. Uh, so, to me... When is the when is Georgia-Florida? Uh, 2.30. And then this is the night game, so this is like 6 o'clock. Why do you have a little smirk on your face? No, I, I, I was just curious why they would... You know, you don't want to match times with Georgia, Florida. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. That's why. So that's why I think Miami and Florida State are in that time slot because they're both on ABC the as as their time window or whatever. And my gut is is going into the season, ABC thought they were going to have Miami, Florida State as the main marquee game at night. And since both those teams suck, they were probably like, okay, yeah, forget about this. And what's the best game on the schedule we have? And it was SMU versus Memphis. They said, go ahead and put it on there. That's also college game day. Is it SMU versus Memphis? First time ever, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like they're doing that because, first of all, Memphis, and we all know this, Memphis is an absolute hotbed for college football. You've got Ole Miss right there. Mississippi State is right there. Obviously, there's Memphis. Tennessee has a big following in Memphis. So Memphis is a huge college football spot. So I think that's part of the reason why. Also, they have the game. CBS has the has the Florida Georgia game, and it probably feels like they go to Florida Georgia every year. So when they can go somewhere new, finally go to Memphis, where they'll probably never have to go back. Why not? And I think that's kind of the approach that that they had with giving them college game day. But it is apparently popping in Memphis that they've got college game day. Oh, I'm sure. It'll be wild. I mean, I, w- I think I'd go. I mean, if we had college game day here, I think that would be a big deal. You, you don't think Vandy will get a college game day? Vandy got one in 2008. Did they? Yeah, they played Auburn. Uh, Vandy, I think, started the year at 3-0 and or 4-0. and And they had Auburn coming in on a Saturday night, and they had college game day here, and Vanderbilt miraculously won. That was back in 2008. Uh, times were different then. Vince is up next on SMU Memphis. Go ahead, Vince. Good afternoon, gentlemen. I've called a long time ago, and I haven't called in a while. Good to hear you guys. Y'all doing a great job. Thank you. But, uh, hey, Memphis, man, we have a local kid, P.J. Carter from Stratford. He's a preseason All-American, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that's going to be a great matchup with um, C.J. Sanders. I was going to so say, I'm we just- have another local kid in the game, C.J. Sanders. Yeah. 
So there's two. So that's the best reason to get Georgia-Florida. We already know that that's going to be a great game, and we see that every year. But SMU is back. I haven't seen them since I was, what, eight years old on TV? (laughs) Since Eric Dickerson was running back. Craig James, I believe. (laughs) Thank you for the call, Vince. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I will say this about SMU Memphis. I am not here to crap all over SMU Memphis. Although, I mean, it wouldn't be the end of the world to have a lot of fun at the expense of the Memphis football program and the state, or I shouldn't say the state, the city of Memphis in this great state of Tennessee. Uh, It would be a lot of fun to kind of, you know, rip all over that. I'm not going to do that. I'm also not of the belief that I would just say like the caller did, ah, forget about Florida, Georgia. I mean, you know, Memphis SMU. Not ready to do that either. I do wish, though, to the caller's point, I wish I kept up more with the local kids that have gone on to play college football. I know that that means a lot to a lot of people. It doesn't mean as much to me. You know, people will make a big deal about the Red Sox. Oh, yeah, David Price and Mookie Betts and all of those guys. And I'm like, how much do I really care about that? Probably not a lot. But then I see Jacoby Stevens, uh, Jacoby Phillips make a tackle for uh, LSU. And I'm like, hey, Nashville kid. Right there from Nashville, Oakland High School, you know, every time I see something like that. And so to the caller's point, I mean, I didn't even know about this kid, T.J. Carter from Stratford, and he's a preseason All-American this year. I'm sure he's probably pretty good. I mean, Stratford High School, that's a big you yeah, know, feather in their program. cap yeah. to, to have something like that. You know, it's a little different when it's Innsworth or Brentwood Academy or NBA or one of those programs. But for Stratford High School, I have an All-American Hey, again, that's a little feather in that cap, and so maybe we should care more or be more influenced by the local kids. I just don't keep up with high school football at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't much either. I mean, the the teams that are close to where you are, you know, the Brentwoods and the academies and the Franklins and the you know Ravenwoods and all of those. We because they're all fairly close. So Floyd but only cares about Williamson no. County teams. If you're not, pretty, pretty if you're much. not in Williamson <laughs> County, get the heck out of Floyd. I uh, know. Uh, I just, I mean, it just, I think because they're uh, the proximity of it them all. You know, everybody up and down the street's got a kid going here or going to someplace else. And, and so you kind of get locked into those schools. We didn't have football at my high school. We don't have football at my high school. So I don't have like a high school really to get behind. I'm mean, root for NBA because Chris Sanders is coaching that there. That answers a lot of questions, by the way. That, that is, we don't have football uh, at USM. Is that interesting? That answers a lot of questions. What's your problem with football at USM? <laughs> I'm just or yeah, the lack of football. Not, at USM. not having football. I mean, just answers a lot of questions for me. Such as clears things up. Such as it makes makes sense to me now. What does it make sense <laughs> of? <laughs> A lot of things. Uh-huh. A bunch of, this, bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. Ian, are we are we taking the bait on this? What do you think he means by it? Did I not go to a manly high school Floyd Reese because we don't have football? Some type of I, I didn't football. Say, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking to John Madden on the Telestrator right now. He's like, you know, it's a boat. You know what it's, it's high I school football know. is? He's right here with a boat. I think it just answers Tough some acting questions. Tough acting is the phone number. Titans, Panthers, Sunday. Is Carolina any good? What do we think of the Panthers? What kind of threat are they to the Titans, and how much better are they than the two teams Tannehill's beaten? We'll discuss all of that next Fireball Hot Take Friday. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game.